Hello and welcome to 25 Cents, our video game podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Nick. Each episode will be making the rounds through our four corners, console, PC, Apple, and tabletop, with a focus on games that are great to play if you've got kids. And you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on the web at goodstuff.network. I was worried there for a second because I had to cover up the, the levels, the faded audio levels, and I thought I had muted your track at one point and forgot to check if it unmuted you automatically while I was doing the little thing. And then, but luckily, we're all good. I think everybody can hear you. If you're out there watching, please let us know. Obviously, if you can't hear somebody, um, not the podcast people because it's too late at that point, but we do live stream this occasionally uh, twitch.tv slash gsfm for the good stuff channel if you want to join us uh, most tuesday or every other tuesday i guess not most tuesdays but mostly every other tuesday is what i'm trying to say hi nick welcome to the show <laughs> hi chris i i always like it when when listening to a podcast and you hear the hosts you know, make some terrible nerd error in a fact and then they right. correct themselves about 30 seconds later and then have to say you please don't email us please yeah. don't email us right <laughs> That is so the benefit. I, I, I'm sure we've. I was going to say that's the benefit of uh, of not having a, a ton of listeners, and that's the, the the upside is you don't have people. Even if everybody right. emailed us, it would only be 20 emails or so right now. So that's you. You can actually email us or contact us if we make a mistake at this point. But if you're listening in the future when we've gotten super successful and there's you know, hundred thousand subscribers, Go, then going through the don't. back catalog, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So uh, we are recording this on December 14th. So what is that? Two weeks, 10, just over 10 days away from the Christmas day uh, extravaganza or whatever that means in your household. But um, it's, uh, are you feeling the stress of the, the, the holidays bring on stress of gift giving, buying all those things? Or is it kind of like a chill? I, I think, I, I think there's a, there's a little bit the gift buying, right? Which is, uh, uh, Making sure we understand what everyone's wish list items are, and and you know stressing that we don't have anything, you know, uh, if if my parents are listening, they can be tough to buy for sometimes because <laughs> yeah. it seems like they have what they want and don't need anything else. Uh, but the I think the the bigger stress is is the coordinating since since all our family is local, uh, coordinating. Mm who's where on which days is is our is our main source of holiday stress it's not that bad but just figuring out in any given year right uh, like both who's sides hosting, who's bringing food yeah yeah so, so my in, parents yeah. my sister my wife's sister and her mom are all within an hour or so of us so mm-hmm. um it's a lot of fun that we can all uh, gather together but coordinating who's where who's bringing what food uh, gets gets uh, a little complicated around this time. Yeah, yeah. And who's going to be offended at which food they didn't bring, or whose kids aren't sleeping, <laughs> or not, or are sleeping, and yeah, all those fun fun family things. But that's where, luckily, video games to segue us into our actual episode. <laughs> video games are the great <laughs> equalizer. Hopefully, <laughs> unless you're uh, certainly certainly uniter or or distractor unless you're very competitive uh and and for those of you out there maybe maybe the the holidays are a time to finally get in one more win against that relative that yeah you haven't seen in a while <laughs> and hopefully not uh, that one guy retweeted or, or quote tweeted or whatever any christian family man who has time for video games doesn't read his bible enough so hopefully that guy isn't in your family yeah you know i i i i I'm not like a super biblical scholar, but I don't remember video games coming up that much in uh, in any of the 
Paul's letters or anything, yeah. you know? <laughs> Maybe in the Thessalonians um, or the, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's in the Apocrypha. Uh, you got to really dig into the... Yeah, the, I always find it, I just to let myself rant a little bit because I didn't on Twitter, but the... I always find it funny that video games get singled out and like culturally it does too, obviously over and above any other medium, like football, like I have friends who more power to them, but like they watch football a lot. Like many hours on a weekend are spent watching football or F1 racing Mm -hmm. apparently is really huge now again or now. And people spend hours, get up early, you know, et cetera. That's all good. But the idea that someone would sit in front of a video game console with a controller and, and walk through a story or play a sports game or whatever thing it is for a few hours is the like the thing that we need to smash the pulpits with or whatever and that's always just funny how it's it's just an easy target i, mean, I know yeah the 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 moral panics whether it's it's video games or um you know dungeon dragons and rpgs or comic books or even just uh like pulp pulp novels right were yeah. were considered a threat a great threat to our children at one point it, it's all it's all cyclical and i yeah. i do wonder if video games have a, a little bit more of it because it's interactive right so because you have some agency over you know the the objectionable content to some right like the whether it's the the violence or the um you know the relationships between characters or or whatever the case may be that maybe is a little bit more cuz it's like oh you as the player, even though obviously the developers made it possible for that to happen in the game, you as yeah. the player are choosing to do these things in a, in a more active way. And and I think that might make it continue to be more of a lightning rod for uh, tweet, tweets like that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So, um, all right, well, let's move on to our uh, actual discussions for the episode. Uh, you caught, somehow I missed this in all the fun of holiday stuff but star wars eclipse cinematic trailer was released what's what's this going on yeah so there are a couple things that came out of uh the game awards i think we we referenced it a little in the in the previous episode i my understanding is it's not that huge of a deal in the industry but there's still um it's it's more of a just a marketing event uh even more so than other award shows but a couple things got released including the star wars eclipse uh trailer so uh, it's from Quantic Dream, uh, who is sort of notorious for weird story games. Um, they've had several over the last few years, and and I think they kind of end up being a little bit of a critical darling, but also they have a pretty bad reputation as a studio in terms of like crunch time and these other things, right? Uh, but they got a Star Wars license uh, for a, quote, action-adventure, multiple-character, branching narrative game. Uh, so if you if you can wander through the the word salad there, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's going to be you're you're going to be kind of choose your own adventuring your way through some interactive fiction, which fits you know the other kind of games they've released. Um, uh, setting wise, uh, it you, you can see in the trailer like some trade federation ships. Uh, if you remember the episode one and the prequels, but. Um, they specifically said this is part of what was codenamed Project Luminous or the High Republic setting. So it's a few hundred years before the Star Wars movies we know, um, which has been currently the last two years or so where a ton of the novels and comic books and other media in the franchise is being set you know, as kind of an unexplored space. Obviously, 
all the like Disney Plus originals and stuff are kind of with familiar characters and, and we've had the new movies. But but a lot of the new stories are happening in this unexplored space where they can create new planets and new aliens and new storylines with the Jedi, but without, um, you know, being too tied into the the Skywalker saga that we that we know and and has been saturating yeah. our uh, our screens since 1977. Yeah, it looks it looks really good and it like it's I think it's there's just so much undiscovered and almost like our I I sense even from my kids they're a bit bored with the the same Star Wars story and and do want sort of their own Star Wars story almost in the same way that they get their own Marvel, you know, the, the new stuff that's coming out from Marvel is is their sort of generation stories, even though they're obviously rehashing a lot of comic book storylines. But um, similarly, I think with Star Wars, it's like they get the epicness of it and they were, it was great to have the, the three new movies that came out. Um, but whether video games or otherwise, it's kind of like they want to have their own right. new thing for them as well. That's, and there's, there is so much untapped potential in the, in the story in that universe. I think that's super interesting. So to, to go, to go off of what you were saying, right. The, the different settings, like, when Disney bought Star Wars, they kind of wiped the slate clean, right? There's there's all of the the bad novels that I read in the '90s. Some of them were okay, uh, and and even you know the some of our favorite Star Wars tie-in games that we've mentioned before, like Knights of the Old Republic. Those are now you know kind of non-canonical. They happened in a different timeline, um, but this stuff is now supposed to be fully integrated with the greater Star Wars universe. Um, and, and can make reference to the new movies. But like you said, it's, it's a story in a different time. There'll be some familiar stuff, you know, in the trailer, you can see a younger Yoda and the Jedi temple, right? So it, it'll tie in with what the kids know maybe about the franchise, but it's, it's its own thing. Um, that said, Quantic Dream, I would expect content wise, you know, even though it's still rating pending, this is probably going to be, uh, at Mm. least teen, if not mature, um, if I'm remembering, you know, from, from some of their other games. So that, that may change things, change things a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, whether it's appropriate or not, we're, we're still making our way through Clone Wars, which is like a, we've now settled on the fact that we're not going to watch every single episode we're watching. They're sort of like the, it's not the machete cut of the Star Wars movies, but it's a similar idea of like, here's what's important. Here's what's not. We have a, an Apple Notes document with like, here's the episodes to watch. And then these ones are optional. Because there is like really fun story elements, not to diverge too far down the Clone Wars or show uh, uh, rabbit trail, but there is mm-hmm. some really fun storylines in there and, and also stuff that gets revealed and talked about and, and backstories filled in and things like that that do. And it's mm-hmm. actually my younger two that are really interested in watching it. Older one, not so much. Um, but anyways, it's, yeah, it's kind of fun to, to catch up on. It's also like I can, it's a good time to like have a little nap while I'm watching TV with the kids if if it's a boring episode. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've through, been so. slowly working through it when there's not other stuff to watch. I think I'm somewhere in the late fifth, early sixth season and, and oh, similarly jumping yeah. around and, and using a, a watch list to follow along. Um, but it, um, I didn't watch it as it was coming out, uh, any of the new you know, series. I think, it, I think it was on, it was some weird channel that I didn't have, um, for, but now it's all on, on Disney Plus, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting and, and I think the, the one thing that's interesting is the the showrunners did a much better job of depicting a a fall into darkness than the prequel movies and oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, the the writing of George Lucas. I, I I think you can kind of see the uh, 
the fear leads to anger uh, stuff developing a little bit more in 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 Anakin. Uh, sorry, spoilers for Empire right. Strikes Back. <laughs> Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. What? Um, <laughs> How dare you? Don't listen yeah. to this with your with your younger younger kids. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, there, and and there's all these other shows that are coming. Right, you look at that that Disney slate of all their Marvel and Star Wars content that's coming, and it just it's like increasingly overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but there was an interesting, I think it was on a recent episode of, of downstream, which is a, a relay FM podcast with Jason Snell about the streaming market. And they were talking about how right now Disney has this super strength of, you know, Pixar and Marvel and star Wars, but how do they get people in to stay for like other content and especially for younger kids content, which they don't actually, despite being Disney, they don't actually have a ton of for like the sort of younger set. So I think that's, that's interesting. And, and, you know, we've seen like some Disney branded games uh, for like Apple Arcade coming out. And obviously they have a a whole Disney interactive media empire. And how will that connect in with, you know, like we're going to have shows and we're going to have games and like Lego Star Wars and like all this stuff, all all interconnected. Um, yeah, the, these huge media companies are obviously they they know they want to, like you said, provide that that space where kids can play uh, and imagine and and be exposed to these stories, and they want they want you on every screen, <laughs> yeah, and in the exactly. books, and uh, you know, with your with your toys. Which I should just mention, I think it's almost required mentioning at this point. This, it's I don't know how it's taken them so long to do. I mean, let's blame COVID, but like the Star Wars, uh, the Skywalker saga in Lego Star Wars video game was supposed to be out like early 2021, I think, or something like that. Anyways, I it's now so, delayed yeah. to spring 2022. I know my son had it. I thought it was on his Christmas list even last year already, but maybe I'm remembering a different game. But it's just kind of, it's a bizarre one because the first six movie games were already finished before... And I think they even had one of them. Anyways, it's kind of like somehow the combination, maybe they're doing a lot of cool upgrades and hopefully, you know, fixing bugs in, in past versions or whatever and upgrading the graphics a bit or whatever it is. But anyways, it if if and when it eventually comes out, it will be a <laughs> fun yeah. game to play. I know my kids are excited about it. I think I have the original trilogy one on Steam maybe um, mm-hmm. or, or have, have played it before. But I think that one of the big gimmicks with the Lego Star Wars games is um, – notwithstanding the little mobile ones that, that we've mentioned on the show recently, is that you can go back and play the story levels with different characters, right? So you can you can unlock, you know, Finn in the in the current the most recent trilogy and then go back and play like Cloud City levels from Empire Strikes Back with him as your main character. Um, right. Because they they kind of tend to have character classes where there's like droids can unlock these things and Jedi can do these things and blaster troopers can do these things and and so forth. So on any given level, there's different paths to the level depending on which character you're playing, which category of character you're playing, and then you can play you know with the different uh, the different characters from different movies. So I, I again, that's that kind of playset mashup cross franchise thing that that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, before we leave PC Corner, did you, I know you bought, picked up Civilization VI, and I actually managed to grab it as well when it went back on sale. I missed it when it was on sale the first time in November, and then it was on sale again in December. Now it's, I see it's not on sale again. <laughs> um, so yeah. there's well, it's, like, it's on sale, but not as on sale. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's got like the, or I'm looking at the platinum bundle, I think, which is the one I picked up, um, which was $20 and there's the, the higher end bundle yet. Anyways, that I think you picked up, um, I'm looking at the Canadian pricing, so it's going to throw things off a little bit, but, um, at any rate, right. um, have you actually had a chance to play civilization yet? Or? <laughs> I, I, I have, I have not had a chance to play. It's been, uh, it's been a busy couple of, couple of weeks with the holiday prep and work. Um, but I, I, I do have it installed and it is, it is my intention to fit in some time when I'm off for, for winter break. Cause, um, <laughs> Uh, as, as we've discussed at length, the Civ series is a, is a favorite of mine. And, um, I, I kind of want to get into some of the new expansions that I unlocked with this sale. Yeah. I'm curious how well, like I, so I have it on my MacBook pro, um, both actually on the windows side, I guess either way, right? Like there's, I can boot camp or with steam, I can play it on, in, on the Mac side, mm-hmm. which I tried now this week. I just played for 20 minutes of a new game on the Mac side and it actually performs really well. I wasn't sure how well it was actually going to, it takes up about 20 gigs of space on the version I got. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious how well it's, it's optimized for the, in, or not the Intel, the Apple Silicon version that you have on, would be on your iMac, right? Um, and it should perform well, yeah. fairly well with Rosetta or whichever so it's, one it's, it's called. Not, yeah, it's running under Rosetta too. There's not actually an Apple Silicon build of the game. Um, but I ran, I did, I guess I did launch the game to run the little performance test. Cause I just wanted to see if it worked and, and if, uh, and, um, you know, it's it, the, the performance test involves like a completely full map with many, many units and cities. And it was definitely bogging down, but it was at least as performant as like Civ five was on <laughs> my now almost eight year old, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Intel iMac, right? So, and and you rarely get into a game state where it's got that much stuff on screen. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I'm quite impressed. And and I think that goes to the discussion we've had in previous episodes around, you know, kind of um, Apple Silicon, even just the base M1 chip, but, but now especially these Pro and Max chips that they're working on, um, is actually pretty good at games it's just there aren't really games for mac that <laughs> exercise it in in that way right and, exactly. and i don't think anyone would would say like oh you know pc corner i'm i'm gonna really do all of my primary gaming on on a mac speaking of apple let's transition into the apple corner so apple's 2021 apple store award winners highly i do this every year highlight some of the best apps across their various stores uh iPhone and Mac, et cetera. And uh, the gaming, which is of interest to us, the it's interesting to me that they break out Apple TV game, Apple iOS game, Apple, sorry, Apple arcade game, and then Apple game. Anyways, the, I haven't, I still haven't actually really spent much time playing Apple TV games, even though that was like one of the things I was holding out <laughs> to try it on. Yeah. Uh, and just because of the controller switching, et cetera. And, and there's, just more to do when we get down if we're playing games on the tv um did you try the the apple tv game of the year was space marshals 3 did you try that one out at all this year no i i haven't even i had not even heard of that one um <laughs> the, so yeah, it's funny um, and then if you go to the store page i'll just say this it's kind of funny because you go to the app store preview page for that it says very in like right under the thing the game name designed for ipad so it's kind of like like yes it works on apple tv but clearly you know which is hopefully the the long play here is that it, you know, they can design for iPad and it works just as well in Apple TV, but it is kind right. of this funny, weird little world we're living in where it's kind of like, what, what game do you pick for Apple TV? As the best I, game I imagine the, the, the design for iPad is in part saying like, you know, this is, this is a more of a full screen game, right? Like it's not 
squeezed yeah. out of a, a, a mobile style uh, phone game um, and, and the way you interact with it. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it, it looks like it's a, you know, kind of a tactical squad shooter, like a, in the vein of, of XCOM or, or one of those mm-hmm. games. That was never really my genre, but yeah, I, I think I played some syndicate way back, but um, yeah, it's uh for, if you like that, if you like that game, I'm sure it's pretty good on, on Apple TV. I think for me, the Apple TV games, we've, we've tried a few, but the, the problem is you're, you're taking over the room, right. Uh, yeah. to play. Whereas most of my gameplay is like on my phone because that's, that's just my device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the multiplayer stuff still doesn't feel great on the Apple TV. There's few mm-hmm. games that are multiplayer supported. And so this is a fam- I'm in a family of five. And so, yeah, if you're taking over the TV and you're also saying, no or it's awkward to share or multiplayer play or whatever it just doesn't uh, inspire right. a lot of desire to do that at least <laughs> despite yeah, the fact c- that i guess compared I can also to say fortnite takes over which is a single player game as well but um right that's between my kids and their their issues so <laughs> <laughs> it it's teaching them conflict resolution and sharing yeah. right <laughs> and screaming <laughs> louder than their sibling <laughs> yeah um, who, who who can win <laughs> <laughs> the Apple Arcade game of the year was Fantasian, which I always, I remember hearing and seeing about, reading about it and seeing that it was coming and then when it came out. And it does look like a fun RPG. Did you, I can't remember if you played this at all. No, I, you know, I, it's one. So as we've discussed before, a lot of my arcade play, I, I, I'm trying to pick games that I can play with my son. And this one looked mm-hmm. like a little bit more, you know, past where, where he is. Um, and then, um, so yeah, I haven't checked it out. It's got this really cool art style where where they like photographed some models for all the backgrounds, and then the and then the three D game elements are are projected on top of that. Um, I think Game Center told me that one of my friends is playing it uh, that I know from from college. Um, so you know, I I guess people are playing it, and and it looks it looks cool. It's that kind of like RPG style. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also it's, it's one of those games where it looks like a bigger time investment for the story. So I'm yeah. like less inclined to pick that up compared to, you know, like Galaga plus where I know it's just like, Oh, I'll play a few levels and then I'm done. Right. So I, I've been doing much more of the snackable, uh, arcade Apple arcade experiences lately. And then, uh, the Mac game of the year was missed, which is kind of just that funny, obviously it's new, but it's old and still, it, it says a lot about the Mac gaming category. Like we just said, that <laughs> Mist, the reissue of Mist can be the game of the year in 2021. Um, and especially, I guess, a line, yeah, like I, I'm not sure what their definition of it. I think it had to be like maybe a Mac only game is maybe how they categorize that. I'm not sure. They being Apple, I don't think they ever really would say. Because uh, you look at like the next category of the most downloaded iOS apps and games, Minecraft Among Us, Roblox, obviously being there. Um, I think any, a lot of people would argue that some of those would be among the more the game of the year, but maybe they've already won in past years. And so they're just wanting right. to highlight Mist as a popular game. But at any rate. Well, I, yeah, I was actually, I was curious. I, I, I went and looked back to see if Mist in its original release as, you know, at, at the time, a Mac only, it, it, when it first came out, it was Mac only in, in 1994, uh, I think. Um, and I, I was curious if like Apple at the time had given it any kind of awards and it, it didn't look like it. I, I couldn't find any information on that. And I didn't, I didn't remember. I know it won some awards at the time. Um, but it, it's also interesting because like we've said, Mist has had all these different versions over the years and re-releases and there was real Mist and there was a Mist 
there was like a mobile iOS port of the original game that was just kind of like running in a little weird container. And this is like the remaster, so it's 30 bucks for Mac. So it's kind of basically a brand, it's like an all new game. Um, but yeah, I, I, this one kind of feels like maybe it's recognizing the, the franchise and the history of the game more than the game itself. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder if that was a factor in, in making it Mac game of the year. Because it, it certainly was a it was a Mac game during the dark days, right? Where there where there was not a lot of <laughs> yeah. uh, options, and 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 actually some really interesting gaming stuff was happening on Mac only in in the mid '90s, but um, you know, never never became established as a platform. Um, yeah. But then you were talking the the iOS games, um, and 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 we have that list in there. But I thought it was interesting that Plague Inc. was high on that list because it's a game that's been out for several years. And the primary game mode is to play as a virus uh, and yeah. kill everyone in the world. <laughs> so there's an interesting cathartic psychology going on there. I did see maybe last year sometime they added a game mode where you can play as the United Nations trying to stop the virus uh, from spreading. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny that that's in their in their top paid list that you know people are. Maybe there's a there's a control thing, right? It's like, well, it's hard to manage the real pandemic, but in this little game simulation, I have complete power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's number two in simulation right now as we record uh, around the world, and they're boasting about where did I see that? Some yeah, over a billion games played. <laughs> so, yeah. um, killing billions has never been so fun, according to the IGN review. <laughs> Just, yes, yeah. All the fun um, stuff. That, that was also a game that we we had tried with with my son, and he he was like kind of interested in the simulation games, and I had purchased it many years ago. He seemed to like it, and then something switched, and he told me, you know, it was too scary and too much like the real thing, so he didn't want he wanted it uninstalled. Um, yeah, so that was that was an interesting <laughs> shift, you know that that he was fine with it, and then he wasn't. Um, yeah. at, at age seven or so, hit a little too close to home for sure. Yeah, I think um, I think so. And you're getting some high score texts from your kids. Speaking of, <laughs> yeah. So, so often you know, on on weekends, I'll sleep in. Uh, the the iPad unlocks at I think we have it set for seven thirty in the morning on weekends. So sometimes he'll he'll get up and and be playing games on it uh, before we wake up. And I'll wake up to a text that's like, "I just got set a new high score in threes. Uh, <laughs> you know, because it'll yeah. You know, there's like the little share button in a lot of games, right? Which I guess is is designed to kind of be a way to promote the game to your friends and convince them to play. But it's just funny to to get you know these, these little these little updates of of what yeah. he's been playing uh, that way. <laughs> I had my son ask me the other day. He was like, "Because we, we were having actually a family discussion about on screen time or whatever," and then somehow mm-hmm. he's like, "But you've been playing, and I forget which game it was, but something on Apple Arcade. You've been playing that every time I look, and it says, you know, Game Center tells me that you're playing this game." And I was like, "I haven't played that game in like months. I literally have not touched it." And so it's just funny how it doesn't. And I have played other games, and it kind of gets stuck. Or something, or yeah. maybe it's a promotional thing. I don't know, but like, yeah, certain games sort of get stuck in the what your friends are playing thing. Yeah, I've noticed that with the Game Center widget is like it'll show me that like my wife has is playing a game that she hasn't had for like a year, right? And and partially I think that's because she's not playing a ton of games, so it's not there's not a lot of new stuff to refresh it. Um, and and some of my friends too. It's like, oh, are you still playing? You know. Uh, whatever. And, and I've even asked them about it and they're like, Oh yeah, I haven't played that in months. Yeah. Uh, so there's something a little funky <laughs> with, with how uh, game center 
it as we've said before the the social aspects of game center are are kind of um nascent compared to like your your <laughs> xbox live uh or or other um networks yeah if you just by way of interest the xbox app a friend of mine just picked up an xbox and signed into the app and stuff and we added each other's friends and basically like i get notified literally every time he signs on to play a game any game doesn't matter what it is i just get a notification so-and-so is signed on to xbox so-and-so is signed on to xbox and which is almost on the other extreme of like being a little too creepy a little too many notifications obviously mm-hmm. dial down the notifications turn them off or whatever but um for like even for if for parents with kids if not that you want to like be aware of every single moment your kid plays a game but like if you are like we should have been back when our kid was in grade three or whatever, and he was sneaking down at 6 a.m. to go turn on the Xbox and then secretly putting it away before coming up and looking tired at seven Ooh, in the morning. Clever. Yeah, we would have been able to just see like, oh, he signed on to the Xbox this morning while we were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> All those little parent hacks that uh, you don't even have to tell your kids yeah. about. And- yeah, keep up with. But yeah, I think I think with a lot of screen time things, it's it's having that conversation about what the expectations are, and then also putting a couple of guardrails in place on on like time locks or or whatever the case may be. That yeah, do, do both can work uh, depending yeah. on on your kids. <laughs> uh, finally, you you just threw this link in here for Builder Mint. I think that's how you say it. Is this yeah, Builder tried? Mint. So. It's it's um it's kind of a lightweight version of like a Factorio, um, uh, or a game I think I mentioned we had tried a while back called Sandship that was just ridden with um, in-app purchases, but uh, this one is just kind of a I heard about it in I think the Incomparable Podcast Network Slack, um, but it's just very you know you you harvest the resources you expand your tech tree you you know you go from logs to planks to frames, uh, gears, you, you build more and more complex things and you're, you're getting all these conveyor belts going to create things as efficient as, as possible. And I think it's just meant to be one of those kind of relaxing organization things. Um, one interesting thing, this is the first time I've opened the store page on my iMac and it shows, you know, the little cloud download button, uh, cause I, I've purchased it previously and it says "Designed for iPad, not verified for Mac OS. So that's, mm. I think that's the first time I've looked at one of these things where the the iPad app will run on an Apple Silicon Mac, but, you know, good luck, right? No developer support. Who knows what will break? Um, but but because all of the libraries and and, and the chip is there, it, it can run. So I'll, I'll have to see what that looks like on Mac at some point. Yeah, yeah, because mine actually says will not run on the Mac and, and requires an, a Mac OS 11 or, and a Mac with an M1 chip. So, um yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think one, one, two things I'd note about the game. So it is a, it is an active play game. So it's not like one of these idle games where you you play and then you you put it away and it's just running on a timer and then you come back and you've accumulated stuff. You you have to have the game open and running the simulation. And also there are in-app purchases for gems, but they don't affect the gameplay at all. It's purely to buy cosmetic items that you mm. can add. So um, it, it's almost more like a tip jar style in-app purchase so i I like that it's not you know you it's a game that i know i can let my son play on the ipad and he's not gonna get stuck just because he's not you know paying uh to to unlock the next level uh which was true of like sandship which which we had tried right um i just realized now that we you you might have caught this that we skipped over or i skipped over console corner somehow my screen was scrolled down to to the pc corner so why don't we loop back i figured we'd loop back yeah yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> so you had, you had this PlayStation subscription service, which must be some sort of like Game Pass type thing. Yep. Yeah, it's a direct competitor to to Game Pass. Uh, they're saying it's combining PlayStation Now and PS Plus. Um, I think this uh, is maybe like more of a leak than an official announcement. Um, or, or they're, you know, it's one of those things where the, where the company is kind of floating it. So they know, so people know what's coming. Um, and yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of like what we know, right. Which is there's a monthly fee. Everyone wants subscription revenue and you get some kind of rotating back catalog of games as well as new releases. Um, and, uh, I don't think it wasn't clear to me if it also had that streaming component or, or it was just stuff you would be able to download onto your PS5, assuming you can get one. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think basically everybody wants to be in this space and, you know, as we've seen, Apple went a very different direction with Apple Arcade where it's a subscription and you download no streaming component Xbox has kind of the back catalog and rotating new games, but you also get xCloud for streaming. This one sounds a little different. And then, of course, there's the you know, there's Google Stadia and the other and uh, Amazon Luna and the other uh, streaming ones as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it fits into that space and it'll be interesting to see where it shakes out. I assume it'll only run on a PlayStation. Um, and, and of course, uh, hardware wise, this console generations sales are pretty restricted by um, all of the the pandemic driven supply chain issues, so um, mm-hmm. that that limits their subscriber base a little bit. There, I think we'll see if it launches in twenty twenty two what it what it actually ends up looking like. Yeah, I always assumed for whatever reason, just because of Xbox having it, I assumed PlayStation actually had that. Like when they, I heard about PlayStation Plus, I assumed that was also a like a gaming catalog as well. But doesn't I guess it hasn't been really other than offering online multiplayer games and a few monthly titles like in the terms of like getting access to a game each a couple games each month which xbox has with xbox live subscription but yeah not the game pass side of it where it's just like a hundred games that you have available and new ones are added all the time and then as long as you're paying subscriber you get get those games basically to use for air quotes free so as my kids think of it (laughs) anyways um, oh i i I was incorrect i guess playstation now does support streaming to a pc so mm, potentially you you would be able to to do this yeah uh access the library that way yeah Um, it does feel like the so that like i've talked about before the xbox x that we have that's in our closet hiding right now and should be opened up next weekend maybe we'll see uh but it does feel like that's kind of like i was thinking of it as this is maybe the last console i buy like realistically because this we've had the xbox now for i forget when the xbox one came out but let's say it's four years now three or four years something like that um so if this goes three four years ish like by that point i mm-hmm. feel like the cloud gaming thing that Google's building on with Stadia and, and Amazon Luna, I feel like that's going to be more common and much easier to sell for Microsoft, PlayStation, et cetera, and not having to deal with hardware anymore other than at their server farms or whatever. Um, it right. feels like that's going to be the play in the long term. Um, Cause I can't imagine like the, the console hardware is just a, a headache I would think on multiple fronts other than the prestige of being able to say we've sold this many consoles. So now game developers get in line to, you know, build for a console. Um, yeah. And maybe, I mean, there's more to it than obviously just the simple that, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, there's, there's some interesting stuff in that space, right? You know, you don't, I, I think the, the more cynical take, right. Is that it's a way of, um, 
you know, instead of a one-time sale for a console and a one-time sale for a game disc, it's, well, now we've got you, right? You're, you're yeah. subscribed, you're paying monthly, uh, your ongoing revenue indefinitely. Um, and I'm, I, you know, obviously there's, there's capital costs and usually the consoles I think are sold at a, at a loss, right? You know, the, mm-hmm. even though an Xbox or PS5 seems pretty expensive relative to the component cost, it's, um, you know, it's well below a, a gaming PC of comparable performance, right? Um, whereas, you know, you buy a, you know, high-end um, server that you run in a data center somewhere, slice that up into, you know, however many user sessions you can fit on it, uh, and and you now can charge, you know, per hour or per month or however you however you do the pricing and get a... Um, a much bigger return on that hardware investment. Uh, and, yeah. and it's fully, you know, interchangeable, right? You know, it can be used for other things when people aren't playing. It can immediately, you know, one one user stops playing, another user is now assigned that that machine. Uh, there's there's a lot of um, efficiencies and scale and, and so forth that I think um, these companies like. The, the, the yeah. dollar signs are, are rolling in their eyes. I think the, the question might be, is like, do you get into the, well, there's this kind of light console that you have that does the streaming really, really well, like really good video decoding, uh, really good uh, controller management, right on on your local end, um, or does it just get built into TVs, or you know, is it more like the Apple TV box or or whatever the case may be? I think that's probably where we'll we'll see some interesting developments over the next five years, um, and then of course yeah. VR is hanging out there, and that mm-hmm. right now has to still be local. Right. Yeah. So. Well, that's the thing. It often, like, as much as we feel like, okay, they've advanced, like, you look at the latest NHL or the latest uh, Fortnite or the latest whatever um, ver- version of each game on a modern hardware platform, you think, okay, well, that's that's as good as it's going to get, really. Like, how much right. better does it need to be? And then something like VR comes along and you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's what we're going to need, you know, the massive CPU console thing for in the future, even though it feels kind of dumb and pointless right now with all the blocky graphics and things in the metaverse etc <laughs> but um but yeah that's going to only get better obviously in terms of the graphic quality and the reality of it and the sound quality etc and then mm-hmm. you add in something like nintendo even too obviously where they do unique things with the hardware that other platforms aren't doing and have sort of gone left whatever right instead of left i guess uh, as my hands go the opposite way. Um, yeah i think that in in nintendo they're, they're all about uh, was it blue ocean strategy right like they they want to go where no one else is in in mm-hmm. weird and interesting ways yeah and have fun with it so um anyways that's us speaking out of our butts on stuff that we <laughs> just yes we have only enough experience don't, with in our home <laughs> don't don't know anything about yeah uh you had you had listed the last thing here in console corner the sonic 2 movie which i was yeah, thinking of sonic the video game but obviously sonic movie right uh yes. the new trailer launched and did you so first of all i guess your family your kid you guys all saw the first sonic yeah so we've seen the the first sonic movie two or three times i think um so you know my son enjoys it uh you know it's it's got um it seems to be about age appropriate for seven or eight there's you know there's some some uh uh, uh a little bit of the kind of gross out humor that appeals to kids at that age but otherwise it's it's pretty it's a pretty tame movie um i think i think pretty funny and enjoyable i think it got kind of the 
weirdly panned by some critics, but I thought it's pretty fun for a video game movie. I mean, vi- the, the comparisons for video game movies, it's not hard to be up there. Um, yeah, yeah there the are a lot of bad low. ones over the years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think it's, I think it's pretty solid. And if they can kind of uh, recapture that magic, um, and especially Jim Carrey's really zany take on Dr. Robotnik is, uh, you know, pretty pretty good and it looks like he's back in, in based on the trailer um, as well as some of the minor characters that had kind of some funny background moments there they show up in the trailer oh, one thing that amused me is the the opening uh sequence shows the space needle here in seattle in like an establishing shot and then all the downtown action scenes are very clearly not downtown seattle because it's like <laughs> well for one thing it's flat uh and and we're you know our downtown is like this right down to the water um but yeah, it, it's probably filmed in like Vancouver or Toronto or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in it, it, it seems like that's where a lot of movie making happens um, or Cleveland. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, it looks fun. I, I'm sure, you know, when it comes out, um, I doubt we're going to go see it in the theater come April. Uh, but whenever it's available for streaming, you know, we'll, we'll probably watch it that way. Yeah. It's one of those movies that like the first one anyways, and I anticipate the second being similar kind of vibe is like it captured or grabbed our kids attention anyways, too, in a Uh way that I wouldn't have guessed would for having come through the Marvel cinematic universe, they'll start like we all talked about earlier, star Uh Wars movies, all those Uh kind of like hyper realistic, intense, and even our kids loving like the, the, all the Marvel Disney plus series that are on right now, which are very much more realism based than like, this kind of like cartoony violence you know, fantastical stuff. Um, and maybe it's just a sort of like the counterweight to that more intense realism mm-hmm. they enjoyed. But yeah, like them and their friends all loved the first one and, and often talk about wanting to watch it again. Wish we'd watch it again. And my wife and I are often like, do we need to? Do we? Yeah. <laughs> but, so, sometimes uh, the movie night selection is is a little bit of like, oh, could we yeah. pick this one instead? <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I I like Sonic. If if it's not you know weeks back to back, I think it's it's a fine it's a fine entry in the in the canon. Uh, friends of ours for movie night tip for parents out there. The friends of ours uh, for for Christmas anyways for the season they just put all the movie suggestion. Everybody gets to put a movie suggestion in a hat and then they draw a movie out of the hat, a piece of paper or whatever, and that's the movie they watch. So settles a lot of the arguments. It was funny because we were talking about this, sharing notes on what we did and over the weekend we had ch- had a fight, sort of very loosely fight, <laughs> loosely used word, or the word fight, but over watching Home Alone, the first one, or uh, Elf, and Elf was the one that won. And then our friends were saying how they mm-hmm. just pick a one out of the hat or whatever, and that's sort of how they get get over that. Although we have very different kids as well, so yeah, <laughs> they still promote well, fights. It's, in our- it's funny because. Um- uh, Elf was one that we've had in the rotation and, and it's a, you know, it's a Christmas favorite of, of my, my wife and I, but, um, my son specifically asked not to watch Elf as one of our <laughs> Christmas movies this year. Um, but we have done Noel and the Lego Star Wars holiday special and, um, Muppet Christmas Carol. And yeah, we'll probably work in a few more as, as the season approaches. I was just gonna say Muppet Christmas Carol is one that our kids, two of the three anyways, don't like because they think it's too scary don't want to watch it um but then yeah elf my one son was like really against and we were trying to figure out why because then we started watching because that's the one that won and we were watching it and he's laughing and enjoying it and then we realized it was that awkward like there's an awkward scene where he pulls a uh a woman's like lingerie off the the 
shelf or whatever and holds it up and and gives it as a gift to his dad right and that was the thing that was like just made him uncomfortable because yeah like i think it was an emotional thing he gets emotional because the person on screen is being embarrassed so he feels a little embarrassed for them and that's the like level of you know awkwardness whereas yeah the muppets christmas carol scary you know kind of monster ghosty whatever kind of stuff it's the empathy angle more than the than the sort of jump jump scares or hauntings or or yeah yeah um so. Yeah, it's interesting that things like, you know, I think I'm, I was surprised really quick that Christmas Carol uh, does appeal to my son because it is, you know, Muppets and, and an older movie and it's not, you know, modern animation, but it's still, you know, fun and funny, um, even a, or even a little bit scary. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, if we skip over to, to Tabletop Corner, but kind of wrapping up on this theme, I was curious if your family has any holiday game traditions because i know family gathering you know you're going to have some board games some card games uh coming out Uh, do you have any that are particular to your your holiday celebrations we don't really other than like the most basic of quote air quotes gaming of (laughs) of putting together a puzzle that's like the Mm. but there isn't any specific other than just a time to play more board games generally and and things like that but um and up here it'd be like getting out going sledding and things like that would be sort of things we also generally do if there's enough snow we'll see what what happens here but um but yeah we don't have a specific sort of genre or a specific game even that we would pull out at at holiday at christmas time and things like that how about you is there stuff that's specific to the Um, season what definitely puzzle Uh, we have a a specific or i mean my parents still have a specific christmas puzzle uh which is you know the the night before christmas poem is all, all the way around the border and it's a scene of of like Santa Claus delivering presents and I think uh, I think they still build that basically every year um so that that was always one and then depending on who was hosting there would be you know like my different grandparents had a different set of board games available so it would be kind of a fun opportunity to break out something a little different that we didn't you have at home to play um and and certainly for my mom and I, Scrabble is always a go-to when we are gathered together. So that usually works its way in. Um, I think at at when I was younger, Canasta was one that was kind of in our heavy <laughs> card game rotation. Uh, but but we haven't haven't done that as well. Um, yeah, yeah, so I don't, I don't think the... we've really established one. Yeah, I was gonna say we kind of come from. I think both of us come from that the sort of uh, bouncer or what's the word I'm looking for the ping pong is that the right word like our my parents generation it was like card games is what you get together and play at christmas or Mm -hmm. easter or whatever family gathering is card games that's all you do and we introduced my generation introduced the like settlers of Catan and sort of these more complicated board games and and so now we're kind of like those don't yeah we're we're trying to bring some of those along maybe as what we would normally do but yeah they're not as quick and easy to hop into in the middle of like cooking a turkey or, or whatever um right. and so there's kind of maybe this our kids aren't sure which they, they're just gonna play Fortnite. actually what am i saying that's that's their <laughs> holiday tradition <laughs> well now now there is like Fortnite monopoly so you know maybe oh, there's yeah. an angle Don't there <laughs> my son is always like shocked there's like dad did you know that there's like a Fortnite monopoly now or there's dad did you know there's uh harry potter monopoly <laughs> We're like yeah. yes the, the licensing yeah. continues <laughs> i i think monopoly was one of the ones that i mean i remember that even in at least in the in the nineties, like you go to mm-hmm. the game store and it was there was like fourteen different kinds of Monopoly. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would say I feel like I've kind of missed out passing on some of the card game traditions that either came from my parents or actually even my grandparents. Um, 
but I we did recently try. I tried playing a like a hand or two of of gin with with uh, with my son, um, and you know, kind of teaching him like you know he understands getting sets and runs from other uh, branded card games that we've we've played, but just like regular playing cards doesn't hasn't come up too much. So yeah, we'll see if that is one that keeps coming into the rotation. Um, you know, gin and and rummy were were other ones that were in my regular rotation as a kid, uh, yeah. along with, with pitch and canasta and others. Um, there's a lot of, I, I don't know the the names. I don't even, I don't even know what the names are, but we had a lot of dice games too, that we would play of just mm. like rolling dice to try and build up a higher number and you're betting or like gambling on whether you're going to roll a six or a two or whatever it was. I can't remember now it's games that my dad often has kept mostly in his head and we have to remember the rules each time we try and play uh-huh. uh, those kind of like coming from a poor farming background where dice was basically the most expensive thing toy you had <laughs> and kind of like using those as a, a basis for the gaming. Um, but in a very safe non-gambling kind of official gambling kind of way, obviously. Um, and because cards were not allowed and so dice were somehow okay to play with. Uh, so, Right. I forgot, I forgot that, that, that specific for it's, it's like specific Mennonite is very much no cards whatsoever, even if you're not gambling with them. Right. Yeah. Cause it's too much like the, you know, poker or blackjack or whatever. Yeah. Just the idea. It's like, I mean, that's my grandparents and an older generation, which my parents mm-hmm. have long since left behind, but yeah, definitely that idea of like, well, just like dancing leads to sex because you're standing yeah. up. So, so do cards with pictures on them lead to poker and gambling and losing all your financial, uh, yeah, stability. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one thing I noticed you, you mentioned before we wrap up here is scorekeeper, uh, for keeping track of scores and just like it sounds an iOS app basically for doing that. Um, which is yeah, really, this is one, um, that I've used for years. It's, it's a, it's a good, it's a useful little tool. Yeah. And actually it's funny cause the game. Uh, the developer of that, Matt Ricks, is a Canadian guy actually out in BC, so just north of you. Um, but he first hit big, like this is way back in the very first iterations of the App Store. Trainyard was a game he made that I played a ton oh, of. Oh, yeah. I and, played a ton of Trainyard. I forgot that was him. Yeah. And so it's the same developer. I don't know what's happened to him since, but it was kind of this like drawing your trains to go to the right colored track and things like that. And you had to try and make them end up in the right spot and also mixing in a bit of color theory and how colors mix together and then become a new color train as it goes through. And it was really, really ingenious. And um, yeah, I don't know where or how he ended up. Like that was back iOS eight days, iOS seven, something like that. So last update is for iOS 11 coming soon. Update coming soon is the last train yard update. So I don't imagine it's kept up very much, but um yeah, just a funny legacy. Yeah, and even, even Scorekeeper has not been updated since September 2017. So, you know, at at some point it may run into the Apple backwards compatibility wall. Uh, but yeah. but in the meantime, it's this nice you know little rainbow colored way of of just keeping track of points. Um, uh, you know, in in a game that maybe doesn't have a an easy built in scoring track, or even just at the end of the game, it's it's a good way to just use your tally. Obviously. Pencil and paper work fine, <laughs> but uh, if <laughs> you if you have uh, if you have a, a phone handy, which you probably do, it can be a nice way to just quickly um, uh, check check scores across across a game. It's funny I noticed it says this app has been updated by Apple to display the Apple Watch app icon. So I don't know if there's like an Apple Watch add-on that they automatically did or something. But um, anyways, not a yeah. It looks like 2017 was the last time the 
the app was updated. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think there's some interesting stuff that the App Store can do on the back end, especially once they moved to the um, LLVM Clang tool chain that is used for, for app development right now. They're, what you submit is almost like not the final app, and Apple can do some kind of repackaging and optimization on the cloud side. Um, you have, For example, like when you download an app, even if it was built to support multiple devices, you're usually only getting the version that supports the device you're downloading on. So there's probably some interesting things there where they can keep an app going even if the developer isn't actively updating it. Um, but eventually, you know, some of these older libraries and compatibility things will 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 go away as as iOS and macOS and whatnot advance. Um, yeah. But but for now, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a nice little uh, tool for for the um, board gamer uh, and iOS user in your life. Yeah. I know Matt Rick's Twitter account is still the same photo that I remember from like 2016, 2017, but he has <laughs> tweeted recently. So just hasn't updated the profile picture. So anyways, just curious uh, to see, catch up where, where, on where these folks are. I think I even interviewed him on a podcast. Maybe I set up one time a long time ago. I don't know. I can't remember now, but anyways, nostalgia oh, that's, for that's the old funny. days. Yeah. I mean, I think you look back to some of those early uh, entries, uh, you know, kind of jumping back to Apple corner. You know, there's some, whatever happened to that game or whatever happened to that developer? Um, you know, I think we've talked about like flight control was an early yeah. uh, iPad favorite and, you know, the developer got bought and, you know, the game just eventually got pulled from the store. But like there were some, there were some early, really interesting, you know, touch control innovation stuff. And it'd be, it'd be nice to see more of those come back to like Apple Arcade Plus, for example. Yeah, if they like hit up for the for someone like this developer, Matt, for like, you know, a modern version of that game, that would be awesome because it you just I mean, my kids would have never even had a chance to play Train Yard, you know, or anything like that. So um all right. Well, we should probably wrap up at this point uh and wrapping up our 2022 uh as well for our 2022, <laughs> getting ahead of myself. 2021. <laughs> we're still in but uh yes. Thank you all for listening wherever you happen to be in the world. I know we often joke about small number of listeners and things like that, but it doesn't really matter. It's we, Mike, I'm looking at Mike on Twitter. That's not who I'm talking to. <laughs> My brain is clearly fried. Nick. And I, <laughs> I was just like, this guy has a really funny avatar and his name's Mike. And I was like, then my brain is like, Mike and I have been talking. Was, yeah, yeah. That's. I, the, I, I, I have been called Mike before, but that's because I have mics in my family. I think oh, yeah. my, my grandma definitely did that. Uh, right. Sometimes. <laughs> Close enough. Guess, yeah. I'm just channeling your grandma right now. on this. Yeah. Part. There we go. Yes. Thank you for listening wherever you happen to be and however many of you are out there. Nick and I do this for uh, just for the fun of talking video games, obviously, but happy to have you along for the journey. Um, and uh, we'll be back again in 2022 with more episodes every other Tuesday. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to 25 Cents, our video game podcast. You can find me on Twitter at iChris. And you can find me on Twitter and most everywhere else as UltraNerd. That's N-U-R-D. And be sure to find 25 Cents uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Of course, if you're listening or subscribed, we record this every other Tuesday on Twitch, twitch.tv slash GSFM. And check out the other podcasts at goodstuff.network and the Good Stuff Patreon, patreon.com slash goodstuff. Join us in the Discord, chat and video games and many other things. All right, that's enough. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>